Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast where we talk about real Canadian rugby. I'm Hugh Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. And Derek, you know, after the end of the main season of Major League Rugby, there was a you know doubt in my mind that you know, maybe with fewer games, there wouldn't be that much interesting action going on. And I'm glad to say that that is not the case because we have had four fantastic games that have happened since we last recorded. And yeah, as in, you know, there's uh, the MLR uh, Eliminators, but there was also the Coast to Coast Cup. And so, you know, midweek rugby, always good to have something going on. And then uh, Bumper Weekend. So what did you make of it? Just as an overview perspective. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll obviously get into it. Um, the uh, top gun is the uh, Coast to Coast Cup champion. So that's obviously, you know, the highlight of the weekend. But uh, and, you know, obviously, like, I mean, we'll get into it more. But I think just in general, the Coast to Coast Cup over the past, uh, like, I guess, eight or like, I don't know, eight days or however long that tournament really took to play um, was kind of. You know, felt felt like a great step forward for Canadian rugby, and you know everything that happened with that tournament. Um, I thought I, I thought it went really well. the uh, The broadcast looked good, and you know I thought it was a great little at, uh, advertisement for kind of the future of Canadian rugby. And you know, considering the uh, the season that the big club had, it was nice to uh, see a couple big arrows dubs um, this uh, this week. So that was awesome to see. Um, as far as the MLR games too, like, you know, it's, uh, it's play playoff rugby at its finest, man. Every, every play, you know, feels that much more important. Every tackle feels that much more important. Every mistake feels magnified and, you know, it's both, I don't want to say both games came down to the final play cause they really didn't, but, um, you know, uh, DC and Seattle both got like really late insurance tries that kind of sealed the game. And then weirdly had New York and Houston both managed to score a try like at the death that ultimately is too little too late, but um, both very close games and, uh, you know, maybe could have gone either way at some points, but um, I'm sure like, you know, but it's uh, it's a again, it's another one that's just a, it's a great advertisement for the for the league that these games are. I think they're on national TV in the states. If uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we're in Canada, so it's business as usual. Yeah. Just turn on the rugby network, but um, but it's a it's a good advertisement for the league. The quality and you know, obviously, we're ramping up to the uh, the final in Chicago, and it's it's cool mm-hmm. to see um, you know across the groups people planning their trips and everything, and then obviously you know the um, the whole everything that the hounds look like they're kind of building around the final with uh you know Shaq DJing and uh Dropkick Murphy's concert and stuff like that all seems really cool and it seems like uh you know every it, it seems like the the season's coming to a pretty um exciting conclusion right now so really exciting first round of the playoffs um and obviously the coast to coast cup was amazing and uh yeah man uh you want to get into it you got any brief thoughts before we do or uh yeah as in well i think it's only appropriate being a canadian rugby podcast we put aside uh what's been happening south of the border and focus on the next generation of talent that's been uh proving itself out in halifax so let's start with the first um game the midweek one which was the bc bears 
versus the Academy. Now, um, obviously, it wasn't the BC Bears in the Coast to Coast Cup last year. That was the Canada West Selects, which is, you know, pretty much the pride by any other name. So, well, this team uh, had like pride guys, and it did, but it, it was a, it was a, it wasn't the majority pride players. Yeah this time around which you know is good um you know giving opportunities to other guys um obviously under the guy of head coach uh, curry hitchborn who we've had on the podcast before and you know it's very honest on twitter after the game against the selects saying that when the players win it's um for them when they lose it's on the coaches and he was taking that responsibility which was uh you know a very refreshing approach to see and you know very um commendable uh but let's talk about the game itself it um so obviously there's no history of the bears with the selects but canada west in this regard um did put a number of them last time and you know it started off um with the bears getting two tries the conversions were missed but then we had the academy come in and you know get on the board uh not too long afterwards so uh, you know, but I think it's like it took a while to get there, I believe. So, um, sorry, it was a penalty first, then it was the uh, converted try to uh, basically make sure that uh, it was all even Stevens close to half time. There was the uh, second try this time by the arrows that then took them into the lead, and then after the break. You know, there had been uh, words in the dressing room and it was the Bears that came out. They were, you know... It was 17 just... BC at halftime, Stu. Oh, 17-10? Oh, wait. Sorry. My, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I remember, I was remember it's 17... Yeah, 17-10 and the Arrows were leading yeah. at one point, but not the that Arrows point. were never My, leading in the first half, yeah. Yeah, so, so the Bears were leading 17-10 and then um, after the interval, uh, it was then... The arrows that were able to tie it up again um, before uh, BC got ahead of themselves. And then uh, it was then the arrow. I keep saying the arrows. I should say Top Gun. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we have to make that name. We have to make that name stick. So, I was going to say, we have to make it happen, right? It's got, We have to almost like manifest it. I know the, uh, yeah. obviously the official name is going to always remain the uh, Toronto Arrows Senior Academy, but uh I feel like we need to make Top Gun stick. We have to have, we need to like edit like a little hype video for the Academy team. And it's like the Top Gun entrance with the uh, All right. F- future plans, future yeah. plans. But the uh, season's going to be slow. Let's do it. Then. Yeah. So then, but then Top Gun was able to get a few tries back on the board. Then there was um, uh, Maloney um, converting the try from Espanol. And then adding a penalty in the 79th minute, or maybe the 77th. Basically, the clock wasn't as accurate as you see on like MLR games, for example. And so, with like five minutes beyond the 80th minute mark, it was still BC coming back into it. And so, it gets right to the end, right at the death, and the arrows give away a penalty. They're down a man, and BC goes for the tap and go. They've got the uh, strength to push over. They don't want to waste time with a scrum and getting another player around, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I think it was like Sam Mace who was able to get underneath it. So it was held up on the try line. And you get this weird moment because obviously the clock has been 80 for the past 
few minutes or so. <laughs> so you can't tell if it's time or not. So they're, they're obviously celebrating because they've had the ball held up. So it's not a try. And the ref's explaining to the Bears uh, captain what's going on. And then you hear him blow the whistle and the celebrations just start, you know, players jumping into each other's arms and, you know, been able to get this win under their belts. Fantastic momentum for them going forward because you know, they still have a game to play. And yeah, so the final score from that first encounter was BC Bears 27, Top Gun 32. Yeah, but it was an amp. It, but these are one of the good things about games, you know, like coming back into them and then right at the end, you have no idea what's going on. So it's a real nail biter and stuff. It's like, can you just hold on? Can, can you just hold on for another few seconds or minutes again? Fix the clock. But uh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, I think I mean, this this game, this game was honestly, I think this kind of um, I mean, I have some thoughts on uh, how I maybe would want to see the coast to coast cup kind of grow over the years but it was like this was the exact type of game that i was like like this like this is phenomenal rugby like it was a super entertaining game obviously um zephyr melnick got bc out to that big uh first half lead he had a first half hat trick and then was subsequently named to uh the team canada roster for the matches against tonga i wonder how much the first half hat trick had to play into that good for him though um yeah. uh good for him though. We'll talk about the rest of the roster later. Um but like yeah, Zephyr Melnick he uh, was obviously outstanding in the uh the first half of this game with you know a lot of great tries, but then it was it was cool cuz it was like Ruck, the arrows are down 17 to 3 in this game at one point. They come all the way back and end up leading 32-17 only for BC to basically make their own comeback. And the ultimately, as you said, the game ends with the ball being held up over the try line, right? So you have the game coming, the two basically two f- comebacks in the game, and the game coming down to a huge defensive stand. The arrows, I believe, had a yellow card at this point in time too during the game, if I'm recalling this correctly. So it was like that. That was a, a big defensive stand um, for the arrows, and you know, overall, like really cool to see. Um, just a lot of players kind of, you know, taking their their time in the uh, the spotlight to kind of step up. I mean, um AJ Kasempel had two massive tries in this game and then yeah. He was he was making making tackles everywhere. Um, you know, gained a lot of meters, was super active, kind of like looking to looking for work a lot. You can find him at the breakdown. Um, Doyle obviously scored a pretty nice try too and uh Alexander um Lauren Doe had another great try. Um, with uh, you know, uh, Voskamp, who had one of two absolutely nasty game clinching offloads. Um, we'll get to the other one in a minute too. Um, but I think like overall, like just like overall, it's just it was a it's just a really exciting game for a whole bunch of guys that are trying to make the jump to the the next level and. You know, we we saw with the the rugby Canada squad announcement. It looks like some are going to be doing that pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you know, it's uh, like yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it was a great, super exciting game. Um, phenomenal display of rugby. And then obviously with Toronto winning, it set up a basically a de facto final with the yeah. XLX. Yeah, now that. I think that really helped the appeal of the competition as well. I mean, 
you know, you can't predict these kind of things. But having these games in the format they were and having the results of them just built more hype to it. So instead of it being a game of like, oh, they have to win by this many points and then they like would technically win. It was just it's just simple. Whoever wins wins the whole thing. And that was really, really good to, you know, just have that in like the back of your mind as it's building up. It's like, okay, 6 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. There's, you know, another rugby game that's not as important. But this <laughs> is for this is for the championship. This is for the anchor. Yeah, I gotta and, say, I, I feel really bad for the uh, the Sea Wolves and the Sabres cat and the Saber Cats who are obviously uh, completely overshadowed in their. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's like second fiddle. And, yeah, I know, right? You know, when, you know, when you're minows and you just have to, you know, well, deal with... I mean, like the the selects and Top Gun are playing for, as you said, the coveted anchor, one of the uh, the greatest trophies in uh, North American rugby. And um, like Seattle and Houston are playing for the right to get slaughtered by San Diego next week. It's... Yeah, it's it's you know it's no competition when you think about it. It's like what you're gonna yeah. watch. Anyway, that's on having to work another week, Seattle. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the game itself because you know both teams obviously coming into it knowing that victory was the most uh, important thing they needed to do. You know the arrows this time um, were able to get out of the gate quickly with uh Blaskowski getting the um first try of the game and then had a response from the selects with a penalty and then an unconverted try to push them ahead to eight seven um the arrows were able to uh regain the lead around about the 30 minute mark and but then it was it's, that's the thing about this game. There's like a lot of back and forth in the first half, especially. It's like as soon as one team scored, it was just going to be the other team coming back and then taking the lead, and then the other team taking the lead. And so, you know, it was a lot of work for uh, Top Gun to do, to put it like that. And so we get to about um, uh, the 55th minute, and then the selects are ahead, 18 to 17. And then, you know, it's going ahead. It looks as though it's going the select's way and it's going to be a home victory. And when it comes to a two-score game, it's then a try scored by Evan Roy and the conversion going wide. But uh, because of misconversions with selects, it's, you know, it's still within... Um, it just needs a converted try to do so. And then we get to the 79th minute again, leaving it right to the end. Yeah. Um, the selects kick into Arrow's territory, but the ball's gathered by uh, Top Gun. It goes off, racing ahead down the wing, eventually over to Goodwin, um, who then finds Doyle, who then gets it, up, who runs the 35 meters needed to. How, how get are you the talking train. about this try without mentioning Voskamp's offload? How did you just skip the over the head, no look offload? When describing that, this oh, that was Voskamp. Those Voskamp, yeah, Voskamp. Oh, uh, okay, game. yeah. All right, sorry, Voskamp. Sorry, Ethan. Yep, that uh, is the best part of the try. Yeah, and well, scoring the try, I believe, is probably the best part of the. Try. No, but, no, that's the, that's 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 that was just Doyle. Like that was a light jog for Doyle after that. That was the, the that off last the highlight. 
Hey, as we found out within the Seattle Houston game, you can be knocked on without having anyone near you in any way, shape, or form. So that's true too. Yeah, yeah. you do have yeah. to finish. Yeah, good finish, Doyle. Good finish. Yeah, a couple of huge tries from him in this tournament. Yeah. So you know, final. Uh, so the ball's dotted down. The clock says it's the 79th minute. The conversion happens. You're like, right, this is it. This is the game. But of course. The clock isn't as accurate as we would, um, I believe. And so the selects go and they are pushing. They are looking for that. They are, it's a one point game. They know that a penalty, a drop goal, a try, anything, and they've got this. And so they're pushing ahead, but Top Gun's defense is on point. They're not conceding anything at all. So the penalty isn't coming. So the selects decide to set up for the drop goal attempt. And if it wasn't for that poor pass, it's very likely that Hodgkins could have caught that and would have scored the drop goal, which would have elated the home crowd. Unfortunately, ball was short. Hodgkins wasn't able to collect it, knocks it on. You can hear the collective groan from both the select players and the fans in attendance. And the whistle goes. And by the skin of their teeth, the top gun... Arrow Senior Academy we are to... your Coast to Coast Cup champions for 2023 and hoist the anchor for all yeah. to see. Yeah, on um unreal game. Um the end of that game though, um like yeah, that's just that's tough. Uh, um just just a poor pass. They had that the, the the selects like strategically ran that play so well is just um you know, all the forwards working together, pushing it a little bit closer to the middle of the field. And um, obviously, Hodgkins already hit a drop goal earlier in that game. So, you know, he's got it in him. And so, you know, also know that the uh, the top gun defense has to be thinking about it, too. And yeah, just a, just a bad pass. Um, just small execution error. But that's unfortunately all, that's unfortunately the way it goes sometimes. Um I think from the Atlantic Selects point of view, though, like, I mean, that even though that ended with that bad pass, Jamin Hodgkins absolutely balled out in this game. Um, he had obviously, you know, a number of uh, conversions and penalties that he kicked through it. Um, he had a 50 22 at one point. He was getting breakdown steals, um, just an breakdown steals, had a drop goal. Um, he played fullback, he played fly half when their fly half got injured. Right. Uh, you know, just an absolutely like phenomenal, phenomenal game from him. Um, and you know, it's one of those one of those uh type of games that's kind of like uh, maybe you gets you excited and maybe you kind of want to see a little bit more of them later. Um, so that was phenomenal. Obviously, you know, there was a handful of great performances uh from the arrows too. Like we kind of, you know, Voss Camp I thought was outstanding. Um, the fly half, um, Tieran uh Neville, I thought was great. He was really again, you know, another guy that uh, you know, was really good off the off the boot. And obviously, you know, Trape had the uh, you know, it wasn't just the try that got scored at the end of the game um for Doyle too. Like he had to hit that conversion. That was mm-hmm. and which was also huge because he missed one like yeah a few minutes earlier, right? So, you know, he kind of had the uh, you know, buckle down and get the the ice in his veins kind of moment. Um, Because actually, that was kind of interesting too, right? Because he missed a couple 
Um, the arrow or Top Gun. I gotta get used to saying Top Gun. We have yeah. to force this to happen. Um, but Top Gun had a few penalties early in the BC game, and they opted to um have Trape um like you know take a penalty from like deep and maybe not the best angle too, and he missed both of them. Um, so really nice to see him kind of bounce back with such a clutch kick at the end of that game, um, which obviously ended up being the difference. Right. So, um, so like, I thought that was great. Obviously as you kind of said, good win, um, ends up winning player of the tournament and, you know, fully deserved, uh, you know, phenomenal eight man. And, you know, he had, uh, like, you know, great in the breakdown, made all his tackles, had some really strong carries. Obviously, as you mentioned, he was involved in the, uh, you know, the play that the Arrows eventually won the game on or the try that Doyle scored. You know, he took that unreal offload from Voskamp and, um, and then, uh, you know, moved the ball on to Doyle to finish that. Um, at the end of the game, too, like getting like all the trophies and stuff, his arm was obviously like in a sling. Um, yeah. So I kind of wonder if he... Like I'm trying to kind of figure out if he played through that too, or if he uh, injured that super late in the game. Um, but I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot of time left um, for it, so I kind of, I, I like, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I just, I just wonder when he actually did that because if he, like, if he played the way he played bait without an arm, um, it's even more impressive. Um, if uh, you know. Hopefully he's uh hopefully is everything's all right with him and he's you know able to get back on a rugby pitch soon. Um thought he was great. Uh Neville was great. Um barring that one mistake where McCarthy kind of read that pass like a book and uh took it the yeah. other way, which was a super exciting play. Um right, like the the Atlantic selects are so are so good too. They're like they're a really good team. Um, from seeing them in Toronto earlier this year, like they have a they have a strong pack. Um, they can move the ball well. Um, obviously, like I said, in Jamin Hodgkins, they have a pretty unreal fullback um, that can also play fly half, I suppose, too. Um, so that's a great player to see. Um, just like I don't know, just overall phenomenal, phenomenal tournament. Um, super exciting to see the Arrows win, but also like you know seeing what BC brought to the table, what the Atlantic selects brought to the table. It just, it feels like just such a, you know, great developing thing um, for, for Canadian rugby, especially within this like age group too. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see like which players get uh, selected for any future um, yeah, options both both in terms of Canada as a national team and the well, know, like professional this... opportunities in Major League Rugby because there yeah. were definitely um, coaches. And, it definitely looks like guys um, that can play in MLR right now. Well, even because yeah. like, even um, even like you know one of the things that we've uh, we've kind of said like earlier, like um, you know that being torn between the idea that it's probably way too early to actually judge any MLR team's drafting ability yet because like you know with the exception of a few guys that are have you know like you know the uh, the Sam Gallas uh you know Connor Mooneyhams of the world right like you know with the exception of a few of those guys that are able to just jump right into the league um you know it's 
it, it is guys still need a little bit of time to develop after they get drafted. So it's kind of tough to see how any of that paired out. But like at the same time, we've also been saying that like um, Owen Rattan has been the only like arrow draft pick that's really played for the arrows. Um, but I think this tournament also kind of shows that it's like, yeah, you just got to give guys some time to thought like Sam Mace was playing. And yeah, he was very good. And he was playing at uh, tight head prop instead of his normal hooker position, too. Right. So it's like, yeah, you know, that's obviously, you know, kind of a positive thing. Mark Antoine Ouellette was playing for the um, Atlantic Selects, too. So it was nice to see him getting in some. uh um, some extra, you know, some more game time, even though it's kind of weird to have a player that's on, that's technically on the big arrows roster playing against the arrows Academy. Um, but yeah, but Hey, teach your own. Um, there was guys, uh, that's the guy, I guess kind of the interesting thing about being from Quebec with this tournament is there was guys from Quebec on, uh, on Toronto and guys from Quebec on the Atlantic. Select. Yeah. Um, Could, when, when you consider that the, um, what was it? The America's, uh, the Canadian Rugby Championship. So, um, yeah, the historical team of like the Atlantic Rock used to yeah. cover, um, like Quebec as well. And now that the Arrows exist and their um it's recruitment facility does go into like Quebec itself, is like a big overlap in terms yeah. of like loyalty and affiliation. So. Yeah, you know, I'm you know nothing against uh, any Quebec guys if they want to play for either team. Oh no, yeah, just, just playing play, is play for uh, which good team wants you to. Um, yeah. But it's um, I think that that's kind of the thing that um, like this. I thought all three games. Um, we talked about the uh, the BC Atlantic game, the f- the Fog Bowl that uh, <laughs> that was last week um, on uh, the previous episode, but. You know, I thought all three games were um, incredibly entertaining and like, you know, it was great to see the rugby network pick it up. It's great to see, you know, people interacting on social media, talking about these games and stuff, too. Like we said, um, it's a big it feels big for the future of um, Canadian rugby, both in the sense that, you know, I'm hoping MLR teams are watching these games, kind of looking at because there was draft eligible guys in this game. Obviously, not everybody's draft eligible, but they're. And even if there's not, it's like there's guys. There looks like there's guys that could probably play in MLR, or maybe, if not next year, maybe like you know, could be a little. Could a team could benefit from uh, you know, if they took the time to, to help develop them a bit more. Um, but it it just my only complaint about the tournament, in a weird way, is like it felt like watching like a really great movie that you're just like, ah, oh, damn, it's over. Yeah, right. and you're just kind of like immediately like, can I have, um, like, uh, we talked about we gushed over across the Spider Verse on this podcast for like five minutes at like an intro, and it's like at the end of that movie, I was like, I can do three more hours of this. Like, where's yeah. the next part, right? And um, this that's kind of my only complaint about this tournament right now is like when I'm watching, um, when I'm watching Max Goodwin uh, hoist the anchor with his team, and I'm just kind of like partly sitting there being like super excited for the arrows, but also partly being like, I could do like seven more games of these. Yeah. And I guess like, um, like I don't, I don't really know where I like, I mean, I'm sure like, you know, I don't really know where the feasibility of it is, but it's like, I wonder like how this tournament could grow 
Um, cause it's like, it is, it's a really cool thing, but also at the same time, three games feels a little short in a way. Yeah, I get that. And like, that's not necessarily like a criticism of like a villain, like, I mean, it's, it's the start of it, but it's, it's something to be like, it would be cool to see it grow. Maybe get like, you know, there's obviously BC has, has a team, but maybe get like, you know, you, you alluded to the old, uh, Canadian rugby championship. They had the Prairie Wolf pack in that. Maybe there's mm-hmm. like, you know a team that could represent that part of the country could come into the coast to coast cup to make it the true coast to coast cup have the all yeah. regions of the country kind of represented. Um, right. Or even like you said, it's like, or even like, you know, any, any other teams or programs that could start up that, you know, can get players of this caliber to kind of come in and enter it. Um, like that, I think would be cool. Maybe, I mean, I know it's called the Coast to Coast Cup and it's Canada, but I mean, maybe even invite like uh, the free, like a Free Jacks Academy team or something up to it because that's going to be close for them too. If we keep doing it in Halifax, assuming. Yeah. Um, well, well, actually, I mean, yeah, it's I like, mean, wasn't the last one in BC? No, it was in Halifax too. Oh, they're, they're, they're okay. Oh, fair enough. Um, well, yeah, as in, I that's agree. That's why the trophy is an anchor. That was a Halifax creation. Okay. All right. But well, like I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, but even like if it just stays at three teams too, like I wonder like if is there a way to like can we get everybody to like play each other twice or something like, uh you know make the just kind of make it a little like a little bit longer like give everybody four games instead of two maybe like I don't like um yeah because it's like I mean I thought it was great rugby but I think like. Um, I guess it's like, I guess I feel like if my only complaint is I wish there was more of this, it's pretty good. Um, right. It's less like, yeah, like I just like, that's kind of like, I'm excited to see how it expands and I'm just kind of like, you know, like I would love to see like, you know, either some combination of more teams or just if, even if, or if it stays with these three, these three teams, right. For the time being, it's like somehow mix in like more games or even do like. I don't know, play each other twice and then do like a final, like whoever has the best record after four games or something. I, th- I think a f- I think a fourth team so that it's even so it's um we yeah. can have essentially like double headers. But yeah, that could be cool. But even like if you yeah, that could be cool. But even also like a fourth team just kind of like rounded out too. Yeah, that's what so but then you can have like three double headers essentially. So you'll have, yeah, have everybody play. So, like, yeah, yeah, select, yeah, you can have everybody select play BC, Saturday, uh, Top Gun versus Wolfpack, and then you just mix. Yeah. And so they only play once, and it's still the same time frame. But then you've basically given another 25 guys opportunity to be on the pitch in front of these the only, you know, the only issue, selectors. I guess the only other issue with that, though, would be like the way we, you just presented that is three games in eight days, forever, which is a lot, too, right? Um, it is a I lot. Don't know. The, like I, I, th- I think we can also have like some kind of rules of like um, players can only play a maximum amount of minutes. No, nah, uh, like, they have to treat it like a real full. Like if the idea is to develop guys to make the jump, you have to treat it like you can't have you can't have time limits. And well, I mean, you can maybe coaches would can. strategize for that. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. In, so, for example, a lot of the guys that came on the bench um for top gun uh, against I think... uh, bc were then starting for 
the game against Select think, or vice versa. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, as you know, whether these any of these ideas that we're randomly spewing out right now are relatively feasible or not, I think the the point. The, I think it just circles back to the point and be like, it would be cool to see this tournament expand and be bigger yeah. and maybe yeah. longer than a week, yeah. more than four total and more than three total games. Yeah, right. I, I think that's the big takeaway. This is great. Yeah, more please. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm just like I like you know you can get the arrows you can yeah get like Corey hector curry hitchborn and uh um doc gillis together and be like how can you know and they they as the coaching staffs of the teams like i'm sure they can come up with i feel like they would be able to come up with something that could obviously not jeopardize the health of the players by making them play too much in a short window but also um i feel like there's something I feel like there's something here and I'm just like, it would be cool to have it be a little bit bigger somehow, um, whether that's more, te- more teams or more games or a combination of the two of them. I, I think I, I, I mean, like, I, I think it's a great, great thing for um, Canadian rugby as a whole to see, you know, these guys who are, you know, younger players across the uh, the country coming together to kind of all play each other right um i think is amazing i just um and i mean like you know like i mean there's a lot of games there's obviously a lot of summer left um Mm -hmm. right so it's like it'd be cool that maybe i mean maybe even outside the coast to coast cup i mean obviously um like top guns already played um the selects um home and away in like toronto and out there and or sorry, no, maybe not. They played Quebec here and in Montreal, and then I think they just played the um, selects here, and then obviously for the Coast to Coast Cup match. Um, but it's like, yeah, like you can do stuff like that too. Like you can maybe, maybe it doesn't all have to be on one week. Like maybe we can like incorporate, like yeah, go, you know, go play like travel up, fly out to Vancouver, go play like that's round one out there, and then you know, kind of you know, play round two in Toronto, round three in Halifax or something. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. I have no idea. I just want to see more of it. I just want to see more of it. Yeah. I, we're just ram- rambling now. Yeah. But anyway, congratulations to Top Gun on lifting the anchor. Yeah. And, you know, just got to defend it next season. So good didn't, luck. I didn't know airplanes needed anchors, but I'm glad we uh, we found one. Oh, good. Okay, so we now move on from like the academy setup and developing players to the men's national team because finally, finally, we have official confirmation of Canada men's 15s playing games this August, and they will be playing two games in Tonga in the capital in Nukualofa on August 10th and 15th this year. This will be Tonga's first home games since 2017 and will also mark 100 years of the Tonga Rugby Union. So, according to the press release, it has also been revealed that prior to arriving in Tonga, Canada will hold a training camp in Nadi, Fiji, which will include a training scrimmage against the Fijian Jura, which is uh, Fiji's um, super rugby team. Mm-hmm. Or a team that plays in Super Rugby Pacific. It's going to be the first time the men's rugby team has come together since uh, playing in Amsterdam last November. 
And we have a quote from uh, head coach King Lee Jones. Our week-long camp in Fiji will be tremendous preparation for us. Uh, head of playing Tonga will be performing at their peak as they prime themselves for one of the strongest World Cup campaigns in Tongan history. We need opportunities to play against top rugby nations, and these matches in Tonga will help us build our base as we journey towards 2025 and qualification for the next Rugby World Cup. So in this press release, there's also a long list of 41 players that have been named. And from that list, it'll be whittled down to 32, which will be the traveling roster selected in July. And with this team traveling in the South Pacific, while Canada's men's sevens program prepares for the Olympic qualification out on uh, Vancouver Island in August as well, it'll be a busy month for the Canada men's rugby players. Uh, Jones continues, we are excited to have so many players active and preparing for competition throughout the summer, and there has been collaboration amongst all our programs to ensure that players are in the right competitive environments this season. The Tour in Tonga also presents a potential opportunity for some young up-and-comers who are impressed with the Pacific Pride and in the MLR to gain experience on the international stage. I'm looking forward to seeing this group grow and learn during our time in Fiji and Tonga. It also... Because these games are taking place in August, which is over a month and a half away, there's no information about kickoff times, um, when, how they'll be broadcast, but that will be announced in the coming weeks. So we have the long list, and you know there's a lot of names that are very familiar. The biggest contributors are the Toronto Arrows and the New England Free Jacks, or you know Canada South Training Facility. Um, but we've also got um, some guys that are currently playing in New Zealand. So, for example, Jacob Bossy, who's currently with Sportswood United. Um, uh, Isaac Kelly, who's also with Sportswood United. These are both uncapped players, but currently playing in New Zealand. And Callum Botcher, who got one cap, uh, I believe, in the tests in Amsterdam, who's with currently with uh, Plymouth, New Plymouth Old Boys. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of um, Gabe Casey too. Right? Draft pick. Yeah, um, some but, New Zealand. Yeah, we've also got um, Siaki Vikilani, who who is also now in New Zealand as well. It's true, that yeah, was that. That came that. Through, but has been playing with the American Raptors this season. Um, yeah. Owen Rattan, uh Zephyr Melnick, as you mentioned, is uh, all, Travis all Larson. Score three also, tries, you end up on the squad. That's it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, and uh, we have Dakota and Talon McMullen of the uh, Thunderbirds. Uh, Mitch Richardson is also in this long list as well, as is uh, Liam Bowman, um, Travis Larson, as I mentioned, uh, Deshaun Bowen, Kieran Breen, uh, Jack Shaw from Rugby ATL yep. as well, and Kainoa Lloyd, who, you know, as we were saying in the last week, just rocked up. Plays one game for the Houston Sabercats, scores a try, and is automatically in the long list for Canada selection. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So, um, I know on this podcast we uh, complain about um a lot of things that Kingsley Jones does. Yeah, I really like the squad, man. Um, I well, this is the thing. This is only the long list. When we get down to the thirty-two yeah. names, then we'll start complaining again. So. Uh, well, so like, just, dude, just, just, just a notice to our, uh, <laughs> you know, our long-time listeners yeah. going on. Hang on a second. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So uh, some notable um, absences dude, are. I I don't even care about the absences. 
I was saying uh, Quinn Nawadi and Andrew Coe um, for New York. Neither of them are on this long list. Now, it could, well, Andrew Coe wasn't selected for the game uh, this past weekend. So it may be that he's uh, nursing a few injuries yeah, and is that's the thing. It didn't continue with the names, though. Yeah. But um, no, uh, Piers von uh, Dadelsen. Um, who's currently at Oxford University in the UK. Now, he already has two caps. Again, I think he got those. He's uh, on the list. Year. Yeah, he's on the list as well. But uh, so I was saying the... I'm just saying those two stood out because they're currently in an MLR playoff... Or, sorry, they were in an MLR playoff team when this was announced, and they uh, weren't listed. Now, there's also the absence of a list of saying... These players were unavailable for selection for whatever reason. Yeah. So. Well, I think, like, ultimately, like, I mean, like, we've seen obviously some of the names, like, Cole, like you said, it's like, you know, he didn't play against New, uh, in the playoff game for New York. So maybe he's injured, but also, like, maybe he's going to go play for that Olympic qualifying tournament in sevens because he does bounce back and forth between those two. That is a like, there strong. Could be- likelihood right there's a couple guys that you can maybe say that to but like ultimately like right now Stu, like we're talking about um a game that realistically means nothing for rugby canada yeah right other than playing tonga um Mm -hmm. it's probably gonna mean a lot for tonga like you said it's their first home game um since 2017 and it's gonna be a world cup warm-up um you know there's obviously you know, because of that rule too, uh, that new that new rule change that allows you know players to like you know switch countries after three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably going to be a lot of guys that are suiting up for Tonga for the first time um, in that game as well. So I'm sure those guys will be yeah. jacked up for that too. Um, yeah. It'll probably it'll be obviously their first home game playing for Tonga too. Um, but for Canada, it's like this is really to me. Um, it's it's really obviously this is about development and like building the squad for the future and I kind of love that basically every position has one guy like one vet and then a whole bunch of uncapped guys or guys with like less than ten caps or even less than five in certain positions. I, uh, I've just looked at the midfield selection. Midfields and I love it. it. Yeah, in in midfield there are twenty seven caps among six players. And that's Ben Lesage, 27, everyone else uncapped. But so, like that's the point though, right? So it's like yeah, exactly. William like, Bowman, who obviously made his MLR debut this year, Gabe Casey, who's an MLR draft pick, um, Takoda and Talon McMullen, who are both just nasty, and Mitch Richardson, who I've spent the last like three podcasts talking about how he's the most underrated player in MLR. And I'm happy to see that he's finally in a Canada squad and he better yeah. get cap. Um, because he's been outstanding. But it's like I, I love that. I love like the front the front row too. You got Sears Duru, Quatrin, and Keith. And then everybody else has no more than nine caps. And that's Tyler Rowland, um, who yeah. has nine. Everybody else is either uncapped or has like one. Um, Steve's young and uh Foster Dewitt all have one uh one. Murray's got four. And then you got Callie Martinez, who's played great for um New um, sorry, did I say I, did I, I said yeah, thank you. Not New England. He's played great for DC. Um who, and uh, you know, he's played great for DC this year. Tyler Wong um has obviously also, you know, he's played well for Toronto in uh what did he play? Four games, last four games of the year. 
Um, but like you can kind of carry that into like, again, um, the second row you have, it's the same theme, right? You have Connor keys and, and, you know, uncapped Isaac Kelly, two caps, Mason flesh, and then six cap Regan O'Gorman. A back row is the back row, 47 cap Lucas rumble, whole bunch of guys under 10 caps. Um, yeah. including, um, as you said, Travis Larson, Zephyr Melnick with zero caps and also Matt Klimchuk who played really well for BC at the coast to coast cup as well. Um, the backs, it's a little, it's a, as you said, the midfield's really cool. Cause Lesage and then just a whole bunch of guys that are going to get hopeful that are going to get their first cap and deserve it. Yeah. Um, the outside backs, you have Kainoa Lloyd and then Spencer Jones. Kainoa Lloyd has 21 caps. Spencer Jones has six. And then. The Isaac up, Olsen has one. Isaac and Olsen then, has one. And then yeah, Shaw, Owen, Green, Green, and, and Shaw Owen. will have none. And I yeah. think like that's that's really great. The the issue kind of almost seems to really come down to like um I like I mean I love the fact that this squad is just like okay, here's a couple of vets that can teach all yeah. of these kids how to like you know how to be a pro in a test setting. Right. Yeah. How it's how it how does it feel to go on tour? How does it feel to get you know to how to like you know to go on tour to Tonga? How does it feel to you know maybe balance the fact that maybe hey yeah you probably want to go do some sightseeing but also like you're here to do a job, right? Like how do you balance that? How do you act on the road? How do you act in training? Here's so you have all of these guys, um, you have these guys like Sears Duru, like um, like Sears Duru, like Rumble, like Lesage to kind of teach everybody at their position like this is how you be a pro at the test level but also just obviously this squad is just a complete eye on the future of rugby canada like if there is going to be a moment because i mean you know I, I said that we obviously i'm not a huge fan of kingsley jones even though i really like this squad but like there's a big question around like his contract ending at the end of the next month because, or not the end of the next month, but at the end of the year, excuse me. And, you know, there's obviously a massive, large majority section of the fan base that I believe also includes us that would like to see a, a coaching change being. Yes. Made, right. Yeah. So it's like, who knows kind of what's going to happen there, but at the same time, it's like, I love that. It's like, all right, we got to start looking at the players for the future. And with that, the only issue is like, I wonder if there's like an issue at at the halfbacks. So it's like the halfbacks that are listed here. So we got scrum half, Jason Higgins and Ross Brody. Both of those guys are obviously still young and easily the two best scrum halves in Canada right now. Right. So like no, no like issues with them being there, but it's kind of, um, Brody only has 12 caps. Higgins only has nine, right? So it's still like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, still super young guys, right? That's still like an eye on the future. They'll be on the team for a while. Fly half though is interesting because um, you have Robbie Povey, who's 26 years old. He'll be 27 by the, um, in September, right? Mm-hmm. Peter Nelson, who's 30. Uh, he'll be 31 in October. And uh, Graydon Bowd, who is also 30 and will be 31 in August, right? Meaning, like, meaning essentially, by the time the next World Cup rolls around, all of these guys are going to be well north of 30. Yeah. Um, right. So, Povey will be over 30, and then Bowd and Nelson will be like 35. Yeah. Right? Actually, uh, that, that brings up another notable omission at um, Shane O'Leary. 
wasn't what? selected. Okay, so Shane Lowe is also so, older like, than yeah. those three. Yeah, she, so yeah, uh, so that's a great point, Stu. But like again, Shane O'Leary is also thirty years old. Yeah, thirty years yeah, old. He so he's thirty-four. 30. He just turned thirty, so he turned thirty in March. So he's yeah, yeah he's ninety-three. Bowed and Nelson are ninety-two. Um, but like, so like again though, but but again though, like that's kind of the point though too, right? Is your immediate reaction to like and like in all honesty, who knows why? Um, Shane Leary has been ignored by Kingsley Jones and Rugby Canada um, for so long, right? Because, like, I think he deserves way more test caps than what he has. Um, But again, though, like, again, like you just said, though, it's like he's going to be 34 at the next World Cup, you know, like, like, right? And the fact that, like, you immediately went to another guy that's going to be over, well, that's already over 30. Right. And it's like, so who's like, I'm like, when I'm looking at this and it's like, I see, it's like, okay, so we have, we clearly have, you know, guys and we clearly have a whole group of forwards that rugby Canada um, is willing to, you know, see what we have in them. We have a huge group of midfields and we have a huge group of backs or outside yeah. backs, excuse me. Right. Um, but it's like, do we not like, Man, we got we got to find some young fly halves and scrum halves to yeah. right to kind of like develop going into the future. Brody and Higgins are going to be fine um, because like, I mean they're still young enough. Um, but like you know the the fact that you know it looks like this entire squad is aiming super young, super inexperienced, and then fly half is um, you know Povey is twenty six. So I mean yeah, you can have a veteran fly half on your team. Um, at the next World Cup would be like 30, you know, 30, 31 years old. But like for me, I'm kind of like, like, I don't like, I don't know. Like, I want to see like with what the rest of this squad is. I want to see like a 22 year old fly half or something, right? Like, I mean, we watched the Coast to Coast Cup. You had a um, Tyrion Neville um, for the arrows looked pretty good, right? Um, like, and, um, you know, uh, said uh, like I guess Jamin Hodgkins kind of played fullback, but I guess he could play fly half, but he looked good too, right? And it's like yeah, just need to get some a whole bunch of guys that young are, guys kicking. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's been a whole like, and I mean, and not it doesn't even have to be them. It's like there's obviously guys that play for you know have played for the U twenty team, and it's like just throw throw one of them in there, um, you know, because like realistically, um, Bowd, Nelson, and Povey are the three. Fly, Canadian fly halves in MLR. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's a big question. I think looking at the squad is just like, well, like who's next? Because this squad kind of answers at least off first glance, like who rugby Canada kind of views as next up at pretty much every position. Right. Yeah. It's like you kind of have to obviously see what these players have. Right. And but it is just like, but it's like, half why, is the the, why are all the fly halves over 30 already? Like, yeah. well, Povey's not over 30, but he'll be over 30 by the time the next World Cup comes around. Yeah. Um, but it's like, every, everybody on this team is so young with like, with the exception of, I guess, a couple of veteran guys, but it's like everybody on this team is so young, but then you look at the fly halves and it's like, you got a uh, two 30 year olds and a 20, you know, by the end of the calendar year, two guys will be 31. One guy's going to be 27. Right. Um, yeah. 
So, I mean, that's kind of like, that's where I see like concern as far as like the rest of the roster though. And I know there's a lot of big names that got left off um, the squad, like, and we don't necessarily know why guys like Matt Heaton. And I mean, like, I don't, I don't need to see Matt Heaton right now. Like, I feel like if we play, um, like, I mean, if, like, if you want to, you can maybe swap Heaton and Rumble, but Rumble's the captain. So he's obviously going to bring him. Yeah. But like, um, you can maybe do that or something or something similar, but I kind of like to have one. I honestly, I kind of like to have one vet at every position and then just a whole bunch of young kids and stuff. Cause I mean, if it comes to, if it, this is not the best rugby Canada team you can put forward, but yeah. it feels like it might be the right rugby Canada team to put forward right now which is weird because yeah. it's i feel it almost feels weird to like kind of be like looking at a rugby canada thing and being like i actually kind of like this because it's been a while since i've had this feeling but i do actually kind of like the way that the squad was was picked because it's like you know i don't I, honestly i don't care if you beat tonga yeah no, uh, I, I know i know honest. where you're coming from as in one team is preparing yeah. for the world cup and the other team is canada the other so, team is preparing to prepare for the World Cup. Yeah. For like then to prepare the other yeah, Canada's preparing yeah, yeah, prepare to like, qualify there, for the there's one there's one team has more to gain from this than the other. Yeah. And and so I think like, yeah, I to be honest, I would be perfectly okay having a majority uncapped um starting 15 yeah, yeah, for like, these games and then you bring on like the more experienced guys towards I, the end to you know yeah, maybe i agree steer it that way well, even, yeah even at that, so, like i agree like maybe put like you could even go like watcher and rumble in the pack and then just be like all right everybody else is basically uncapped or has like under 10 right or like yeah. just a couple and then you can go like well like you said it's like you can i guess you're gonna have well i guess you're gonna have you're kind of again. Your scrum half, fly half. You're going to obviously have guys that have caps and stuff, and then like probably go Lesage, and then everybody else is new, like right. And then have like the balance of like have a vet or two on the bench that can come in late too and stuff. But it's just yeah, like I'm more curious. Even with this, I'm more like I like I don't even know if I care if Ben Lesage plays in this because I'm like well, I, everybody okay else. and. Well, that's the thing. We're hypothesizing from this 41-man long list. We're going to give it a few weeks until they announce what the actual touring squad is going to be. And then we're going to say what our preferred starting 15 would be. So that is for a future episode. But for now, you know, there were... I think we've talked about the uh, Coast to Coast Cup and, you know, what's coming up for the Canadian teams. But let's not forget there was this, like, small, unimportant rugby competition that was going on south of the border that I suppose we should talk about. And let's get it started with the um, MLR Eliminator games. So first up, we had Seattle hosting Houston. You know, it seemed to me like a tough contest that uh, emerged at the start. But as the game wore on, Seattle were able to core it back and you know especially at the end I think it summed up uh Houston's game where they were they'd reclaimed the ball running forward and then just knocked it on just the ball was like you know what nope I don't want to do this I'm out of here straight forward out of the players hands into Seattle's and they got that ball over for the try that 
solidified them winning the Western Eliminated. The final score, Seattle 37, Houston 26. Now, I will say there was only one Canadian player across both teams. (laughs) But, you know, the team that had the Canadian player won. So, Houston, that's what you have to look at during the offseason. That was kind of the weird thing, too, like before this game, right? They had, um, obviously, I guess, Povey, I guess, is injured um, to some capacity. Obviously, like, Coats are playing at fly half is probably what the Sabercats want anyways. Maybe Povey playing yeah. 15, but um, I guess he's hurt. And then, like, I guess on their roster, like, they signed, uh, like, uh, they signed a Raptor. And yeah. everyone's just, conf- like, I think... The thing is, is on all honesty, I have no issue with Houston like signing new players right before the playoffs. Um, yeah, really. But I'm just like, like it. It was a moment when I'm just like, what are the rules? Like, yeah, right. And, and it, it's, um, you know, I think it's a thing that sometimes like the MLR has kind of struggled with, where it's like, you know, earlier in the year we were talking about a trade and signing deadline, and then. Yeah. Every team is announcing signings after well after that deadline. So, like obviously, you know, everybody sees that uh Latu is on the roster, right? And we all kind of everyone's just kind of like immediately like, so I guess he's injury cover um for a yeah. handful of Sabercats that were out, right? Including Robbie Povey. But it's just like, okay, are you like I know that like there's there's this feels like there's just this weird like air of secrecy around some of these rules. Yeah. And it's, just, it's like again, I don't like if Houston's allowed to do this, I don't yeah. care. Right? Like yeah. that's not my gripe. I just want to know that Houston's allowed to do this. Yeah. I, the, I, don't, I don't think it's still like, so beyond the realm of possibility of saying these are the rules like yeah, the one, just the most common one being that you ha- a player had to play at least four MLR games during the season to be able to play in the playoffs. Unless... And and then if there's a case such as this, like, so, according to America's Rugby News, they said there had been injuries to Drew Wild, Christian Dyer, and Robbie Povey, uh, with Zach Pangolinan also out. So, um, then you say, okay, then you can sign Latu, but you can even then do a press release saying that because of their um, injuries, they've had to sign this player and yeah, we've agreed to it. On And then it's on the proviso that while yeah. Dyer, Povey, and Pangolinan aren't then playing in any other games yeah, whilst like, the but it's series even, is going on. It's even that too. It's like, why did they sign? I don't understand why they signed Kainoa Lloyd last week. Or like, to just play one game and then not play in the playoffs either. Like, I don't yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like, I don't like, um, and, and, and it's just like, um, like, cause we know that, you know, if you watch any other sports league, right? Like, you know, that the salary caps and, you know, all the player transaction moves, you know, like leagues have really deep rule books yeah. on how you're allowed to like actually construct your roster and stuff. Right. And I'm sure the MLR has one as well. It's just, it's it's a situation like this where I'm like, man, like I would love that to be public. It's like, I, I think I've, I've come to the point where I'm like, I don't think like we'll ever know like how much money players and stuff are making. Um, although, I mean, there was a LA 
there was an article on Adam Gilchrist and the LA Giltinis that came out. That's kind of like, Oh damn. No wonder you guys got caught. (laughs) That's a lot of money. But either way, um, I was just like, like, I just want to know what the rules are and like what you can do. Right. Like, even if you don't want to go give even if you're, even if the league's still not at the point where like you got to give every detail, it's still like, I just want to know what you're allowed to do. Cause this, the Houston lineup was honestly confusing, but onto the game, it's like, man, Houston had all the possession early and did nothing with it. And then Seattle kind of, I feel like Seattle just kind of made them pay for it a little bit, as you kind of said, right? Like a little bit better execution, a little bit better discipline. Seattle or kind of um, shot themselves in the foot a couple times um in this game too uh, and yeah I, I mean good 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 for seattle man they uh you know they're like what seven and one now um in the postseason which is a pretty unreal record um when you really think about it that one obviously was against new york in the final last year um but yeah off to uh off to san diego which i mean just kind of feels like that's what the west final should be it feels like that yeah that, yeah that feels appropriate um uh- Conversely, in the East, which has been topsy-turvy all season, uh, it was definitely the result that we both said, oh, there's, oh, New York's clearly going to win this. They're going <laughs> to do it <laughs> and get it sorted. So as we eat this humble pie... Um, yeah, 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 and you know, to be honest, when the game started, it looked like New York <laughs> were setting the uh pace early. You know, they scored the that first was, try within 90 seconds. That was the best because they spent the commentary team spent the entire pregame talking about how great Old Glory's defense was, and then they got scored <laughs> on like 45 <laughs> seconds. Well, their defense may have been uh, a bit ahead of the buzzer, but their uh response to it was okay. practically immediate with uh. Another try followed up, and then, uh, then there came the penalty try, and Carl uh, Bailey taking some time in the uh, sin bin, and then you had um, Fawcett getting it the first of his two tries, and yeah, so it, even though the um, the flags were getting penalties, um, and Bonilla was you know keeping the scoreline ticking, you know. Three points to five is not the same, and yeah, you know, it did look like New York were gonna like take this away, and it was only in the second half where things turned around. So Kyle Bailey went from villain to hero for DC picking up the try. Then it was DC's turn to get a penalty try with uh, Langi uh, taking ten minutes in the sin bin, and just towards the end, just to seal it, it was a fantastic turnover um, with. Uh, breakout, so a breakout, and uh, Kurt Baker uh, putting the final try for DC, you know, essentially putting it beyond reach for the time left for New York. They did get the final say of the game with uh, Perry scoring a try in the 80th minute and winning. Weird how both games ended like that. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it, it wasn't was- like a, yeah, it wasn't the wind out of the sails as it was for maybe the. Um, yeah, well, I, I guess that in that although um, Houston did score a try like right and when the clock was in the red, it was still you know eleven points difference to yeah, Seattle. This one, this one makes makes it look far more competitive with <laughs> only being four point difference. But... I think 
I was just, I, I think the uh, the big storyline in this is Derek Summers owes Kurt Baker a beer for scoring that try. So Old Glory won this game anyways. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, I was saying how um, the other game only had like one Canadian player yeah. and that's the team that won. Well, New York did have a Canadian on their bench, but they never used Quinn Nawali. So again, I'm just saying the team with the the ha- played the more com- more Canadians won the game. Yes, DC didn't use Cali Martinez, but you know they had uh, Kyle Bailey who was in the captain role sort for this try. game. Um, we had Doug Fraser who uh, was fantastic for. Um, up until he got subbed in the 53rd minute. And, uh, well, interestingly, it was meant to be Graydon Bowd starting at uh, 10, but uh, he was withdrawn before kickoff. So hoping he's doing okay and that he'll be playing in the game against New England, which will be on this Saturday. Um, But again, it feels like with both of these games, it's like the Eliminator was who has the honor of being destroyed by the leader of in their conferences. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was kind of the thing. It's like watching this game. I was kind of like that. That is a small part of watching this game. I was like, man, new England is going to slaughter both of these teams. (laughs) Like it is. I mean, neither one of them looked like they were super interested in playing a whole lot of defense in this. Obviously both teams scoring over 30 points. Um, kind of also kind of, you know, points to that. Um, but also like, you know, you had a couple execution errors and stuff. Some like, you know, big counterattack tries and things that are really hard to do against New England. Um, and I mean, New England walked through the Eastern conference this year. Um, like they were, they were 10 and 0 against the Eastern. It's like, it's, um, I I don't know. I'm not. Okay, so speaking of these games, I think we'll yeah. move on to predictions because you made it very, yeah, you're making it very clear who we're picking. New it's, England, San Diego. It's yeah, it's it's really like I I I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, part of me doesn't want to go against Seattle because you know they have been the most successful team. I think in the in MLR when it comes to the championship series. Yeah, I think so. Seattle. It doesn't surprise me. But yeah, San Diego have it's, beaten them twice already this year. So yeah, I mean, I think I think um like like for um for both teams, I'm just like I think I can see Seattle um ups like you know winning way more than I can see Old Glory winning. Like yeah. just based on like their form, like the whole year, right? Like. Seattle obviously, you know, was basically right on San Diego's tail the whole year. Um, and I believe San Diego's only loss was to Seattle as well. No, it was to Houston. Oh, it was to Houston. Okay. So like um like see, well, Seattle have done the job of eliminating the only team that beat them. So Yeah, yeah I don't know. Go. Um so, so uh yeah, so like Seattle, um actually you just said that Seattle San Diego beat Seattle twice, and I still said that. I'm an idiot anyways um yeah. but like i think like you know seattle's obviously kind of been on their tail like all year um for like old glory um they obviously lost to new england twice and yeah. it's like new you know what i mean and it's like like i mean winning this game moves old glory to 
eight wins out of 17 games. Like they're still below 500. Um, yeah, a playoff win. Like they're, they're a below 500 team who, yeah. um, you know, like at the end of the, the season, um, allowed the second most points in the Eastern Conference with the only team that's allowed more was Toronto. Yeah. Like, so yeah, it does seem as though this is a very this does not sh- add up well for Old yeah. Murray, I don't think. Yeah. Like, I mean, there isn't there is not a team in the East that feels like they have given like New England like a run. Yeah. And I don't and obviously they're undefeated they're undefeated against the Eastern Conference. They're undefeated at home. And, and they're, and they're gonna they're weekend. probably gonna so, line yeah. like seven to twelve Canadians. So I mean, like this is like it's yeah. Over. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> over. So again, so those games are New England versus DC. That game will be on five thirty p.m. on July first. So happy Canada Day! Yeah, another reason Canadians. why New England's gonna win. Yeah, and that will be on. If you're listening from the United States, it'll be on Fox Sports 1 or 2. They may change it without letting any of us know. Um, and San Diego will be hosting the Seattle Seawolves on July 2nd at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, which will be 3 p.m. Pacific Time, and that will be on Fox Sports 2. But if you are Canadian, like our podcast is, you can watch that game for free on the Rugby Network. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out more as well as written pieces on our website, therougerugby.ca. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, S4P, and Apple Podcasts. We also have our YouTube channel at The Rouge Rugby with episodes of the podcast as well as our extra interviews in our black box section. Make sure to like and subscribe and hit the bell notification to stay up to date on all our videos. We're also available across social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at The Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can the fine people find you? At Berset the Jet across all social media networks. And you can find me at Hardman's for H4RDMAN across all social media platforms. Well, that's where we're going to end this episode. Derek, thank you for joining me. And thank you for joining us on the Rouge Rugby Podcast, where we focus on real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time. <laughs>